This is Will Baker, president of the Chesapeake Bay Foundation, our continuing podcast series, Turning the Tide, Saving the Chesapeake Bay. Uh, today, I'm joined by Chris Moore, senior scientist at the Chesapeake Bay Foundation, works out of our Brock Environmental Center in Virginia Beach. But Chris, you're all over the Bay Watershed. That's right. I get to see all the Bay Watershed, so that's a good thing. You put a lot of miles on your car. Uh, just I, a few. Yeah. I, I tell you, I've seen you up here one day, down there that night, then back up here the next day. It's amazing. So um, we want to talk about Menhaden, that oily little fish that uh, the author Bruce Franklin called the most important fish in the sea. And this is a conversation we've had on this podcast before. So there's a lot of news this week. There was an important meeting. Um, how do we jump in? Let's, let's first make sure everybody understands the role of Menhaden in the Chesapeake and beyond. And then we'll talk about what was decided this week. Sure. So as you correctly described, that little fish, and some call it that stinky little fish, yeah. uh, that swims in really big schools in the Chesapeake Bay. And, you know, they have all different types of names, bunker, fatback, things like that uh, in the bay. But uh, Menhaden really are the one of the most important forage species we have in Chesapeake Bay. And that simply means they are out in the ecosystem to be eaten by other animals uh, that think of them as their most most nutritious food source. So, forage what, fish. Forage so fish. That means they're at the base of the food line for the great species in the bay. You, you name it: striped bass, which is obviously the state fish of Maryland, whales, dolphins, ospreys, uh, summer flounder, speckled trout. You know, if it's out there in the ecosystem, it probably eats menhaden at some point in its life. Just about as well as birds. That's right. Yeah, ospreys, loons. Gannets uh, are all big consumers of menhaden, and that's another part of this is, you know, ecosystem effects of menhaden on osprey. Uh, they've really done a good job tying the abundance of, of menhaden to the successful nesting of ospreys in different places as well. And menhaden range coastwide from Florida to Maine. Florida to Maine, yep. They, uh, they tend to winter somewhere between Florida and North Carolina, sometimes the Virginia Capes. During the summertime, they travel up north New England, sometimes as far as Canada. And then this time of year, they're starting to travel back down uh, south to spend their winter in a little bit warmer climate and actually start reproducing as well. The Chesapeake Bay is the largest nursery area for Menhaden. And so during the wintertime, uh, those real young fish, those larval fish are migrating into the bay December, January, and February, where they'll spend the next about year, maybe 18 months of their lives before they migrate out of the bay and join that coastal population that migrates up and down the coast each year. And they're, they're, the catch of Menhaden is used for a number of different uh, things, a number of different reasons. That's right. The, uh, the, you know, one of the biggest reasons we catch menhaden is to catch other fish species because they are such a good bait fish. So our crab fishing industry here in Chesapeake Bay is dependent upon menhaden. A lot of sport fishermen use menhaden as bait. Uh, but we really have a unique situation where we have the final uh, reduction facility and, re and reduction fishery here in Chesapeake Bay. And reduction it, means the fish are fed into a factory and ground up. That's right. Cooked down <laughs> in a fish meal and fish oil. And uh, there, that happens in a little teeny town on the northern neck, Reedville, Virginia. Reedville, Reedville Virginia. Yep. I always tell people when I talk about Menhaden and talk about Reedville, how many stoplights 
are in Reedville, Virginia. And most people say, I don't know if there's even a stoplight in Reedville, but I think there's one or two. But it's the third or fourth largest seafood landing port in all the United States because of the fact that we land so many menhaden there each year for that reduction fishery. And that's third or fourth, including Alaska. Including Alaska, Seattle. I mean, you think of those big seafood landing ports and that little place on the northern neck is is the capital in a lot of ways. And, and this, so this reduction fishery grinds up the Manhattan, cooks them down. They're used for all sorts of um, aquaculture, for fish foods of all types, which is why they're so important to yeah. the marine environment, because they are a great fish food. And also for this uh, new um, interest of people in omega-3 fatty acids as a, as a supplement. Right, exactly. Yeah, they actually have a facility there that's connected to their main processing plant that does a lot of human-grade oils for different uses. They make somewhere between three and seven different grades of oils for all those uses that you talked about, from animal feeds, aquaculture feeds, pet feeds, up to those very high-end uses for people to take as in the pill form. And for uh, perhaps marketing purposes, the company which catches the vast majority of Menhaden is called Omega Protein. That's right. That's right. Fortune 500 company just been bought by a Canadian company, and their method of catching uh, Menhaden is perhaps the unique among the ways of catching fish in Chesapeake Bay. Really is. They use what's called a purse seine, which is a, a big net that basically stretches from the top of the water down, sometimes 40 feet or so, uh, into the bottom. And uh, one of the things that makes them so efficient is not only the fact that they have these big nets uh, that they deploy, but they also use spotter planes to actually spot the schools of fish. Uh, Menhaden swim in very large schools. In fact, at times, uh, the schools are so large that they don't even see the fish themselves. They actually see the menhaden kicking up mud along the bottom when they're along the bottom of the bay, and they can actually spot the fish that way as well. So uh, two boats uh, are carried on a mothership that's almost 200 feet long. They spread a net around part of a school of fish, and you know they're harvesting fish by the millions of pounds is what it amounts to. And I've seen them do it. Then the mothership comes alongside the, the purseine and literally vacuums the fish out of the water. Now, we ought to correct one misperception that I hear a lot of people uh, accuse uh, the Menhaden fishery of, and this is probably one of the few pieces of good news we have. The fish school very tightly, and as my understanding, I'll confirm with you, there is not a lot of bycatch in the Menhaden harvest. Is that true? That is true. Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, the fish school very tightly. Uh, in, in addition, when they are threatened by other fish eating them, they tend to swim up. And the same thing when they're threatened by the net that goes around them, they swim up. And most predators tend to swim down when they're threatened. So the bycatch that's been studied in this fishery is down in the 0.1% the type range. And that is a good thing for us. Okay. So that, uh, that may, though, be the only good news part of the story. That's right. That's uh, right. Except for the vote that was taken this week, or actually a series of votes, by a body called the Atlantic States Marine Fisheries Commission. Uh, give us a definition of what the commission is. Sure. The, the commission is a compact of all of the states along the Atlantic coast, from Florida to Maine, also includes Pennsylvania, because some of the fish that they manage migrate into Pennsylvania waters, also includes the National Marine Fisheries Service and the Fish and Wildlife Service. Two federal agencies. That's right. Yeah. And what they do is they work cooperatively to manage our fish species that migrate up and down the coast. Uh, they were started uh, almost 70 years ago, actually almost 76 years ago now. And, you know, they recognize the fact that 
we can't state by state manage migratory species like striped bass because every state would basically maximize their harvest while they were in those state waters. And by maintaining a cooperative approach throughout the fish's life cycle and throughout the year, um, we'll have a good outcome for both the fish and the fishery as well. And <clears throat> the commission is made up of representatives from each of the states, again, Maine to, to Florida with Pennsylvania as well, and they come together regularly to decide on fisheries management issues. And this week they were actually in Baltimore voting on uh, the end of a lot of deliberations related to the Menhaden catch, uh, really a couple of years worth of deliberations. That's right. Uh, a couple years of deliberations and also a tremendous amount of public input as well. Uh, I think we set a record for public input on any fishery matter in the United States. Over 150,000 comments were made by people not only here in the Chesapeake Bay region, but all along the Atlantic coast about so, the interest in managing Menhaden better. So let, let's pause just for a second. The, the reason there's so much interest is one, that this fish is very important to the ecology of Chesapeake Bay and really the Atlantic coast. It's very important for sports fishing men and women. And the vast majority of the catch is by one company, which takes the Menhaden out of the water and uses it for industrial purposes, for the supplements, and also for food to feed animals. How much of the catch does that one company, Omega, take? Uh, up until this year, it's been around 80% of the total. 80% eight, eight eight of the total catch. Right, right. And uh, most of that catch is concentrated in the Chesapeake Bay itself or pretty close to the mouth of Chesapeake Bay. They, they have been ranging a little bit farther up off New Jersey and places like that, but uh, you, we actually have really good data on where they set their nets each time uh, throughout the fishing season. And if you look at that, you see lots of little dots all along inside the bay, right outside the mouth of the bay, and up the coast uh, off the eastern shore, off Maryland and off New Jersey as well. So, so the situation is, uh, is ripe for controversy, ripe for people to be concerned. Um, and as I recall, there were reduction fisheries all up and down the coast. How many years ago? You know, 100 years ago, there, were, there may have been as many as 75 or so reduction facilities up and down the Atlantic coast. And how many are there now? There's now one. There's now one. There's now one. And that's Reedville, Virginia. That's right. The, uh, the last remaining one before Reedville uh, was down in North Carolina, uh, Beaufort Fisheries. Uh, that one closed in the mid-2000s, and there actually were two in Reedville. And Omega brought up, bought out their competition uh, back in the mid-90s, uh, Ampro. And uh, so we're, we're left with one. Okay. Now, to, in relatively short order, describe what was being deliberated upon and what the votes were is, is, a, is a tough task. But I've seen you do this many times, so you're up to it. <laughs> Give us a sense of what was the really important deliberation, how the vote went down on that, not such great news for uh, Chesapeake Bay Foundation and a lot of our, our colleague organizations and, and interests, but then there were other votes that actually were pretty good news. So let's, right. let's start with the bad news and get that out get of the out way. Get that out of the way, right. So uh, CBF, a lot of conservation groups up and down the entire Atlantic coast had been supporting the implementation of what we call ecological reference points. Ecological reference points. And think of these as kind of the guides guardrails or guides for managing a fish species like Menhaden. We have, we have reference points for 
all the different species we manage, from blue crabs to striped bass to bluefish, things like that. What the conservation community wanted us to do and, and wanted ASMFC to do is to start managing Menhaden using more conservative ecological reference points now. And, and am I right in saying this really means taking into consideration the ecological ecosystem benefits of Menhaden as well as the pure commercial benefits? That's right. Yeah, we had been generally, we had managed a species based kind of on a single species analysis in the past. And we wanted to move towards a, a more precautionary approach and think about how many fish should be out in the ecosystem first. And the Menhaden Management Board has been wanting to do this for about 20 years now. It's been a tough process. And we thought we were pretty close to getting that done on Monday, but unfortunately we didn't quite, quite make it. So the vote went not as we had hoped, even as during the deliberations up until the vote, I was there with you uh, in the audience, we heard almost uniform, unanimous support for the concept of ecological reference points. That's true. And, and the one good thing that came out of this decision as well is the board decided we're going to continue to develop uh, a set of models that will give us ecological reference points in the future. So they didn't stop work on this. They're going to continue to do it. Um, it's our job and our partner's job now to make sure they do it as quickly as possible. Um, if we're not watching this process, it could be, you know, 10 years before this happens. But they've assured us that they can do it in two or three years, and we're going to be watchdogs and make sure we hold them to that. Because at this meeting, last this uh, just recently they did not vote to support the uh, to to utilize ecological reference points they kept with the single species reference that's correct yeah yep, exactly and the one thing we haven't mentioned is that menhaden are also filter feeders right they're not only really important to the food chain but they 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 filter algae out of the water that's right their food source is algae which we all know we have an excess of in chesapeake bay and so as they graze, as we call it on algae, they actually can remove significant uh, amounts of algae from the water. And one of the things that all of our pollution reduction work that CBF does is doing is helping produce algae that is better for them to feed on. One of the real concerns is, as you've probably talked about in these podcasts in the past, is we're growing a lot of bad algae in the bay now. And if we reduce the loads that we have from what we currently have in terms of pollution loads and get uh, a better, more healthy overall community, we'll actually have a better food source for Menhaden moving forward as well. So, so Menhaden are, are very much akin to oysters, and I think people really have now learned the ecological benefit of oysters as they filter the water. Menhaden do the same. That's right. So we didn't get it on this vote, but we heard a lot of support for the concept and a lot of intention to put these ecological reference points into play in two, three years, and we're gonna hold them to it. So that's a real role of the Chesapeake Bay Foundation and many, many others who have supported. You had mentioned the, um, the number of letters and communications and emails they got. It's a, it's a huge number. I, I, I won't pretend to remember because- Over 150,000. Over 150,000. Yes. And over 99.5%, were in favor of the ASMFC voting to utilize ecological reference points. points now. Right, exactly. Is this not a democracy? <laughs> All right, we're going to leave that alone. We didn't get the vote we wanted. We're going to hold them to their intentions. We're going to keep the pressure on them, and hopefully in a couple of years, we'll get that vote and the fishery will be managed more consistently with what science 
uh, seems to say is the way to do it. The way and the way the Menhaden Board has said they want to manage this fishery as well, which is heartening as well. They want to move in this direction. I, I think um, we will continue to see them want to do that. It's a matter of making sure that these uh, models that are going to model the population of Menhaden and the predators are developed in a, in a quick manner and pass peer review. So there were two more votes after this that we're interested in. One was somewhat um, medium, um, not great, but not terrible, could have been a lot worse. And the other was actually very good for the Chesapeake. Could you That's give right. us a review of those So we'll two start votes? with the really good news first. Uh, one of the things that we have when we manage Menhaden is a Chesapeake Bay reduction fishery cap. Um, and the a cap, a cap on the amount of fish that can be harvest. taken from the Chesapeake. From the Chesapeake Bay in Virginia waters. And the reason that that got put in place back in the mid-2000s, and, and it's still true today, there's lots of concerns out there about the amount of menhaden being sufficient to sustain predators like those striped bass we talked about earlier, and ospreys, and the whales, and things like that. And with the reduction fishery being able to be so efficient and catch so many fish in a relatively small area, the Chesapeake Bay, um, we put a precautionary cap in place back in 2005, and we based that on the average of the last five years' landings. And of course, that was 10 years ago, over 10 years ago now. And so uh, the good news that really came out of ASMSC is we updated that cap, and we moved it now so that it's based on the average of the last five years' landings, 2013, 2016 uh, timeframe. And so now we have a cap that's at 51,000 metric tons, which is a 42% reduction from what it had been previously, which is a significant victory for conservation because, as you mentioned earlier, the company has been sold. There are concerns about how the fishery may change in the future, and this will make sure that we're not harvesting too many menhaden out of the Chesapeake Bay through the reductions fisheries activities. But that's still a big number, 51,000 metric tons. That's right. And, and they, a ton is 2,000 pounds. pounds. Right. So and you, you, can, you compare that to some of our other big fisheries. You know, striped bass, we harvest 6,000 uh, tons of, of striped bass, things like that. So it's uh, exponentially larger than some of our other fish species in Chesapeake Bay. And that's a 40% reduction from the prior cap. That is, yep. Right. So, so that's, the, that's the good news. That is. And um, then the third vote was the vote for the whole range of Menhaden up and down the Atlantic seaboard. That's right. So we also set a new coastwide allowable catch. Uh, we call it a TAC or total, for total allowable catch. And that was currently set at 200,000 metric tons, which is, again, a tremendous amount of fish. Um, we knew going in that that was going to be raised some. Um, fortunately, the raise was only 8% to 216,000 metric tons. Some states, New Jersey especially, had been advocating for a raise as high as 240,000 metric tons. So um, we feel like that was a, a good compromise by the commission. Um, the population has grown, um, especially in its northern range over the last couple of years, which is a great thing. And so this was a way for fishermen, especially in the Northeast, uh, and to be able to catch some more fish because right now the fish are a bit more plentiful in certain segments of the range. So a mixed bag, but overall, we think that the regulatory agency has been moving in the right direction, getting good scientific input, looking like they are going to do the right thing with ecological reference points a few years out. And the best news is the cap for the bay fishery is down by 40% to 51,000 51, metric tons. And the one thing you said earlier, some people might not uh, uh, have understood is that it's in Virginia. And the reason for that is 
Maryland disallows the catch of menhaden for the reduction fishery. That's right. You, uh, there's no purse seining, which is the gear we talked about earlier in Maryland waters. So, you know, when you think about it, that means that catch is coming from even a smaller geographic area because it's just the Virginia portion of Chesapeake Bay. So uh, it, it makes it for an area where there really could be ecological implications for all those forage uh, species if we harvest too many of them in the, in the bay. Well, Chris, um, thank you very much for your work on this. Uh, we also want to thank Allison Colden, our Maryland scientist, who actually served uh, on the, serves on the Atlantic States Marine Fisheries Commission for Maryland um, and uh, was outvoted uh, in her state uh, by the two other representatives because Maryland, uh, oddly, uh, also voted uh, against the ecological reference points, which uh, may be another story for another day, why that happened. Uh, we'll continue to follow this. I want to get you back here and do this some more uh, in the future as, we, as the story develops. Thank you. It's been great talking about the, this little stinky fish. <laughs> this little stinky fish. Uh, so for Chris Moore, senior scientist at CBF, and Will Baker, this is our continuing broadcast series, Turning the Tide, Saving the Chesapeake Bay, every two weeks. And you can uh, access back, is back uh, issues of the podcast on our website, cbf.org. <laughs> <laughs>